Hey y'all, before we begin, I want to make sure you know about my live parent workshops. One Friday a month, I host a live virtual parent workshop on topics related to raising neurodivergent kids and teens. We cover topics like how to talk to your child about their diagnosis, how to support negative self-talk, and navigating school for your child. You can register for workshops one at a time, or you can become an all-access subscriber on Substack for instant access to all the workshops and replays. To browse the workshop library and subscribe, go to learnwithdremily.substack.com and click Parent Workshops. Hey y'all, before we begin, if you're a school administrator who loves watching your teachers and students thrive, but you feel your staff needs more training to meet the needs of such a diverse group of learners, I am here for you. I am now offering professional development for pre-K through 8th grade educators, both in-person and virtually. For more information about pricing and scheduling, go to learnwithdremily.com schools to get started. Welcome to Learn with Dr. Emily, the podcast where parents and teachers come together for neurodivergent youth. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, child psychologist and former school psychologist, and I am on a mission to help everyone understand that nurturing neurodivergent children isn't about changing them, but about changing us. Each week, I share my thoughts on topics related to child development, mental health, parenting, education, and parent-teacher collaboration. You can read more on my Substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com or listen here. So let's get started with today's topic. Hey y'all, today we are gonna talk about how you can talk to your kids about their neurodivergent brain. So our kids are growing up in schools filled with neurodiverse learners. They always have. We're just learning more and more about everyone's brain these days. So while this gives me hope for normalizing the presence of neurodiversity, inclusive mindsets don't just appear out of thin air. They evolve when we stay open to learn about our differences. We make this evolution of inclusivity possible when we teach all children how they learn best, not just the kids who need something a little extra. For some children, they already know that they're a visual learner or they know that they're great at reading. For others, we have to rely on educators and psychologists to help us figure out how our kids learn best. Either way, we need to teach all kids about their brain so they can understand that there is no one best way for everyone to learn. The best way to learn is the way that works best for you. Once children understand themselves, they begin to realize that everyone has their own constellation of abilities. And when we work together as a group, classroom or community, we can accomplish things we cannot do alone. Understanding neurodiversity is just as important as teaching our children to embrace the human diversity of race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, and religion among their peers who are all worthy of love and opportunity in this world. When kids understand the importance of respecting the neurodiversity of their peers, they cultivate inclusive classrooms that extend into their future workplace and community. Okay, so let's take a step back for a minute. So let's talk about terminology. Is it neurodiverse or is it neurodivergent? So here's how I always like to explain this. While we are neurodiverse as a population, some of us are neurodivergent. 
Most people consider themselves neurodivergent if they've been diagnosed with ADHD or learning disability, or if they're autistic, gifted, or twice exceptional, which is when you are diagnosed with a learning difference and you are also gifted. It's incredibly important for children and teens to begin understanding their own neurodivergence as soon as they notice that academic or social demands seem hard for them. We don't want neurodivergent children to believe that they're not working hard enough or that they are less worthy than their peers who can keep up in class or easily make a friend without any additional support. How we advocate as parents in front of our kids in these moments becomes our child's inner voice as they begin to advocate for themselves. One of the most frequent questions I get from parents is this, but how do I tell my child about their diagnosis? This task feels daunting because no one wants to tell someone that something is different about them, especially when that someone is our precious child. We don't want to hurt them and we don't want them to ever think they are less than. I believe that we, the adults, are actually the ones with the baggage here about different meaning something negative. As I've watched the culture of our kids evolve in my work as a child psychologist over the last 20 years, I've noticed that our kids are much more open to difference than we are. For some reason, many adults are still very afraid of difference. Our kids are schooling us on embracing inclusivity if we would just pay attention. Watch how they treat each other. While different might mean that something is harder for our child, different never means less than. So let me explain what I mean. I prefer to not even use the word diagnosis when talking to kids and instead focus on their abilities and their needs for support. We all have abilities and we all have needs for support. So let's just understand them and support one another. So first, I want you to focus on abilities. Research in the field of positive psychology tells us that we get more of what we focus on. If we only focus on what our children cannot do, we will notice more barriers, more challenges, and more frustration. But if we focus on what they can do, not only will our children notice their skills, But this allows us to get creative in helping support them to make these skills more frequent and to increase their independence. This is what I want children to know and trust. You won't be good at everything, but you can be really good at your thing. If you need help with other stuff, we can just figure that out as we go along this path together to get you there. As writer and educator Jessica Leahy says, Most of our kids are quote-unquote perfectly average, and our American education system is designed with the general curriculum for this reason. However, when our children begin to notice their differences, we need to educate them about their brain. We also need to provide them with individualized and differentiated instruction through 504 plans, IEPs, and gifted and talented curriculum. The next thing I need you to do is to arm yourself with knowledge. Don't drag your feet here and go back and listen to the previous podcast about why an evaluation is so important. One of the most important reasons for your child to receive a thorough developmental and psychoeducational evaluation 
is to create a roadmap of these strengths and needs for the adults in their life to better understand. You're also going to use this information when talking to them. This information will help you teach your child how they learn, understand which skills they can do independently so you can encourage them, and then help them understand what they need support on so you can coach them to ask for help. So I don't recommend sharing specific scores from an evaluation with a child, but they can understand ranges of skills compared to their peers. They can understand kind of just like everybody else in your class or a little faster or needing more support with something else. So consult with the psychologist who completed your child's evaluation and come up with a plan to teach them about their brain when they are ready. I love the resources I list in this week's Substack article from neurodivergent speech pathologist Emily Hammond. If you need a visual for explaining autism or ADHD to your child, I encourage you to look up her social media at NeuroWild on Instagram and Facebook. Okay, so when are our kids ready to have this conversation? Like everything else in child development, there is no magical age. I'm sorry to say, I don't have the magical prediction for you. All of our kids are on their own path, but here are a few ideas of things you can think about to decide for yourself when you're ready to have this conversation and when they're ready to receive it. But like all tough conversations, like the sex talk and the race talk and all the things that you talk to kids about over time... This is not just one conversation. Talking to your child about their abilities and needs for support is going to evolve over time, and it will come up in conversation when you least expect it, so it's not a planned sit-down conversation. Just be ready to talk about it when they start to talk about things that are hard for them or differences that they notice. So usually children are ready to talk about their learning style when they begin to question their abilities. It's best to begin talking to your child at the first sign of frustration. If you don't know yet how they learn, go ahead and talk to their teacher about it. Because even without a full evaluation, your teacher will have expertise into understanding where they fall on the curriculum as well as how hard it seems to be or how easy it seems to be for your child to grasp a concept. I want to say hi to all the teachers out there learning with me. Thank you so much for being an educator. I see you and appreciate you and how you keep showing up for our students every single day. In my work as a school psychologist, I know that it helps to have a way to stay organized when thinking about your students' needs. That's why I created two free resources for you. The regulation roster helps you notice how your students seek emotional regulation and keep track of it. And the reframing behavior worksheet helps you problem solve emotional dysregulation when it happens. For these free downloads, go to learnwithdremily.com slash roster or learnwithdremily.com slash reframing behavior to get started. I want to welcome any parents who are new to this journey. If your child has just been identified as autistic or diagnosed with ADHD, learning differences, or is twice exceptional, welcome. You are in the right place. You may also be overwhelmed by all the calls and emails you're having to make to providers as you're building your child's team. That's why I created the Referral Tracker, which is a free download at learnwithdremily.com slash tracker. 
This free resource explains what each provider does and gives you a template to keep track of all your research. Just go to learnwithdremily.com slash tracker to get started. Many kids will wrongly assume that they're no good at everything when they're actually just struggling with one thing. We're going to help them understand why and then also let them know that if you don't know why, explain that you're going to work together with their teacher to figure it out. Maybe they've noticed that they're awesome at understanding things when talking to people, but then really struggle when they have to put puzzles together. Maybe they've noticed that their brother just shrugs things off when something doesn't go his way while they have huge upset reactions. Maybe they can understand everything that they read, but they work much more slowly than their peers. Once children begin to notice these differences, it's time to educate them on their smarts. So this is the term I use when I'm working with children in therapy to kind of encapsulate lots of different skills that we have. Understanding smarts means that we're helping kids know that there are lots of different ways to think about things, to be smart about things. So children are really concrete, and many neurodivergent kids are very literal thinkers. So understanding physical differences is a helpful framework to start with this. Begin by explaining the different abilities that your child can see around them, like a classmate with diabetes who might have an insulin pump or a friend who wears glasses. Once they have a solid understanding of a variety of abilities or a variety of needs, you can then explain that there are some differences that they can't see because they're inside our brain. I like to call these inside our brain abilities smarts, and some are bigger than others. I have a few book links on my Substack this week for explaining these, and I love using books to explain these concepts to kids so that they know this is so common, there's a book written about it. So many children assume that academic skills are the only kind of smarts we have, but that is not true. We can have math smarts and reading smarts, but we also have music smarts and sports smarts and computer and social and emotional, and the list goes on of what different types of things our kids can be smart about. And it's really important if your child's smarts are not always academic it's really important for them to know that that's not the only type of way you can be good at something because they will get those messages in school that academic is important. We have to work hard to prove to them that all these other ideas and concepts and skills and hobbies and things they can do also include those types of smarts. Okay, so once children are clear on all of their smarts at that age, again, this ebbs and flows with development over time, we can explain to them that there are some smarts that are weaker than others, and we need a strategy for support or more practice in those areas. Now you can explain the purpose of therapies or tutoring or getting extra help after school that your child currently has or might remember. So you could say things like, remember Miss Liz who used to play with you at OT? She was helping your brain get better at being in charge of your body, especially when you get excited or get upset. Remember Miss Robin? She used to play word games with you. She was helping you grow the part of your brain in charge of talking so you can tell people your ideas with words. And remember Dr. Emily? She worked with you practicing noticing your big feelings, how to talk about them, and solving problems that you have sometimes with friends and family so you can have more fun. 
Also in this week's Substack, I have a Venn diagram that I really like to use that you can map out for kids to show them where all their abilities are. I also have extended resources on this in my parent course, Parenting on Your Own Path. Okay, so for some kids, as they get older and they're wanting to identify as a person with a certain type of neurodivergence, it's helpful to tell them that some combinations of strengths and needs have a name. While it's most important for children to understand what they're good at and what they need support with, it can be helpful for them to understand these combinations of strengths and needs that have a name so that they can identify with other kids or teens or adults who also have these similar patterns of strengths and needs. For autistic children, it can be helpful to explain that when you have an enthusiastic smart, which is what I like to call, like, for instance, listing all the U.S. presidents or being able to name every country on a map. Those are things that most neurotypical brains cannot do. So it's helpful for them to know that if they have an enthusiastic smart about something, along with the need for support and maybe language or social development or anxiety and sensory sensitivities, that that combo of smarts and needs for support is very common in many autistic people. I intentionally leave out the word disorder here because I have rarely, if ever, found that word helpful. So again, you can go to my Substack blog this week and check out the Venn diagram I have on there. I use this visual for explaining any type of neurodivergence so that children can see that their abilities are all connected and overlap and they are not just one thing. I want you all to remember that disabilities are just a variety of abilities and some need extra support. Adults can identify needs and compassionately help kids. We can model for them to do the same for one another. Once we normalize that everyone has different abilities and needs, children will become more open, more curious and compassionate about everyone's style of learning. So neurodiversity can be understood and celebrated. Okay, y'all, I'll see you next week. This has been Learn with Dr. Emily at the podcast. For more resources, including both parent, teacher, and school resources, visit learnwithdremily.com or read my substack at learnwithdremily.substack.com. Also, we are publishing this podcast weekly, so make sure you're subscribed by pressing the plus, follow, or subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using right now. This podcast is edited by EarFluence. All information discussed on this podcast is for educational purposes only. If you have immediate concerns about your child, please reach out to a mental health or medical professional. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we will keep learning together next week.